Support for today's show comes from Google Play. Did you know that you can now download and listen to audiobooks on Google Play? That's right. With hands-free listening using Google Assistant or Chromecast, you can enjoy thousands of titles a la carte. There's no subscription necessary. And they even have multi-device integration across the Google ecosystem. For a limited time, you, lucky All the Books listeners, can get $10 off your first audiobook over $10 by visiting g.co slash play slash all the books. That's g.co slash play slash all the books. Find your story with audiobooks on Google Play. to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 176, and it's the three-quarters show. Today we are talking about some of our favorites of 2018 so far and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hey. So it's we like didn't we do just... a half... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. We just didn't do a halftime yeah. show for... <laughs> reasons if we forgot <laughs> i think because we did our episode show with everybody our episode show that made sense we did our anniversary show with everyone oh, right. and kind of forgot about the halftime show and things are a little wacky right now with the storm coming to get you and me getting ready for a vacation so we decided to talk about some of our favorites yeah, instead it's been a good year in yeah. books so far. If we so. wanted to make it topical, we'll call it the To All the Books I've Loved Before show. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I love that. We've each picked eight, so this is a little juicier than yeah. most of our episodes. We're going to keep it quick and snappy, though. Don't worry. We won't keep you guys here all day. Yeah, like you might have forgotten about a couple of these. So we just want to bring them to your attention. I'm going to kick it off with Surprising No One, There There by Tommy Orange. This, I think, is the most important American novel of the year. I can't wait to see the National Book Award long list on Friday and see if it's on there. Of course, it'll already have passed by the time you hear this, but it's a fantastic novel. It's about Native Americans in Oakland. They're all headed to the big Oakland powwow. There are 12 characters, and we learn about uh, a, a ton about their backstories and what they're doing in their lives now. It's a novel about Native Americans in contemporary America, what it's like to be a Native American in contemporary America. You learn not just about their lives now, though, but also a lot about their history in this country, You know, none of which is good, as you know. Um, it's so powerful and heartbreaking. It's so fantastic. It's There There by Tommy Orange. My first pick was one of my very first reads of the year. It's Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro. This is about a woman who's approaching middle age. She's totally devoted to her husband. They have a great life. They have two great kids. She is also devoted to her faith. And then she starts, uh, at, I think through a professional conference, the details are hazy now, she connects with a poet and she and the poet start off writing each other letters that event like initially it's about sort of academic and theological questions, but they fall for each other. Um, and they have a passionate affair and she can't like square her understanding of herself as this person, this devoted wife and mother and woman of faith with how right and true the affair feels. She doesn't feel like she's doing something sinful or wrong. Um, it's a really fascinating look and sort of asks more questions than it answers, certainly, about 
relationships and love and lust and infidelity and theology and is really smart and compelling. Um, and I haven't heard nearly as much discussion about it as I would like. So that's Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro. Another book that I already cannot believe came out this year because it feels like it's been years that I just love is I Am, I Am, I Am, 17 Brushes with Death by Maggie O'Farrell. She's a novelist. She's a favorite of mine. And Rebecca's, this is her memoir. She wrote it for her daughter who has a life-threatening autoimmune disease. She tells 17 times she escaped death to kind of show her like how everyone is vulnerable, how, you know, and about mortality. Um, she talks about, you know, when she gave birth to her and how she, it was very dangerous. Um, she talks about a childhood illness that was almost fatal. Uh, she talks about an encounter that she had on a path with a very unusual man who ended up being a killer. Later in the news, she saw that he had murdered some people and she escaped him. So it's just, it's, you know, a mother talking to her daughter. It's full of love. It's fascinating. She's an amazing writer. It's I Am, I Am, I Am by Maggie O'Farrell. Speaking of books that get to big questions, my next one is Stalking God, My Unorthodox Search for Something to Believe in by Anjali Kumar. Also came out way back in January. Um, Anjali Kumar was a lawyer for Google, thought of herself as a very like secular person, but when her daughter was born, she decided that she wanted to find God or like enlightenment or really some kind of like spiritual practice. She wanted to be plugged into something bigger than herself. But she knew that traditional uh, organized religion was not the thing for her. So she goes on this year-long pilgrimage to explore different spiritual practices, different modes of spiritual expression. So she like goes to see a shaman in Peru. She attends Burning Man. She tries meditation. Uh, she goes to see a witch and a faith healer. And she approaches all of these with an open mind of what is this about and what might it offer me and sort of walks into each one with a like, maybe this will be my thing. Maybe this will be the thing that makes me feel plugged into spirituality and gives me some answers about like the meaning of life. And um, it's really thoughtful. It's lighthearted. She's like, she's not a theologian. So there's nothing academic about this. It's a very earnest attempt for uh, one person to figure out where to go for answers and to understand herself and her place in the world more. And I thought it was um, really interesting. So that's Stalking God by Anjali Kumar. It would not be a best books of the year list without how to write an autobiographical novel by Alexander Chi. This is his essay collection uh, I believe some of the essays are like 10 years old and some are more contemporary. It's about his experiences as a Korean-American man, as a gay man, as a son, a teacher, an activist, a writer. He also talks about when he was a waiter for William F. Buckley, uh, his love of tarot. Uh, he has a, a very powerful essay about his father's death. He is one of the smartest, most considerate writers that we have working today. And I just think he's amazing. So again, it's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel by Alexander Chi. All right. Ready for our first sponsor? Yes, please. Here we go. Uh, the show this week is sponsored by The Real Lolita by Sarah Weinman. Very few readers of Lolita know that the subject of the novel was inspired by a real-life case, the 1948 abduction of 11-year-old Sally Horner. And so weaving together crime narrative, cultural and social history, and literary investigation, The Real Lolita tells Sally Horner's full story for the very first time. Sarah Weinman draws upon extensive investigation, legal documents, public records, and interviews with some of the remaining 
remaining relatives to uncover how much Nabokov knew of Sally Horner's case and the efforts he took to disguise that knowledge during the process of writing and publishing the book. Um, Sally's story echoes the stories of countless girls and women who never had the chance to speak for themselves. So by diving deeper into the publication history of Lolita and restoring Sally to her rightful place in the lore of the novel's creation, the book really casts a new light on the dark inspiration of a modern classic. Um, Sarah Weinwin is also a true book person. She's edited two anthologies of crime writing. She covers book publishing for Publishers Marketplace, and she reads a lot and has been a fixture in the mystery and thriller community for years. She stumbled on Sally's story a couple years ago and became determined to investigate it. And this year marks the 60th anniversary of the American publication of Lolita. So that's timely as well. Again, the book is The Real Lolita by Sarah Weinman. Thanks to them for sponsoring. You're up. It's my turn. All right. My next uh, fave this week is one I just read and talked about recently on the show, Buttermilk Graffiti, A Chef's Journey to Discover America's New Melting Pot Cuisine by Edward Lee. Uh, Basically, he goes on a 16-city road trip through the United States to find out Uh, what does this melting pot thing mean in terms of cuisine, in terms of food and cooking, and how do the dishes that immigrants bring to the United States and then the way those dishes are transformed both by the immigrants and by existing uh, American citizens and cooks, how like once you bring a new dish in, what happens to it and what does that tell us about um, what it means to be a melting pot and about the ways that food and cooking are connected to culture. Um, it's a really fascinating. Edward Lee is a beautiful writer. There's just, there are some stunning sentences here. If you care about food uh, and what food means to us as humans, to the ways that we interact and to how it represents our cultures, um, you don't want to miss this one. Buttermilk Graffiti by Edward Lee. My next pick is The Parking Lot Attendant by Nafkote Tamarat, which has replaced the Library of Mount Char in my life. Not in subject matter, they are not alike at all, in that I go to it when I cannot decide what to read next. If there's any mm-hmm. hesitation, I'm like, well, I'll just read The Parking Lot Attendant again, and then I'll decide <laughs> what I'm going to read next. So I've read it seven times this year. I oh love Oh my goodness, this Liberty. Book. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's only, it's only like 220 pages or something. Uh, the narrator is a nameless teenage girl. When the book starts, she and her father are living in this utopia on an island, um, but they're about to get the boot, and you find out how they ended up there. Uh, they are from Boston's Ethiopian community. Uh, the girl sort of falls in with the parking lot attendant. He's this shady character who works as a parking lot attendant, but he also seems to have a lot of power over the people in his community. Uh, Her father wishes her to stay away from him, so as a teenager, of course, she goes against her father's wishes because she doesn't want to do anything he tells her um, and gets involved in all kinds of stuff. Uh, It's a very unusual coming-of-age novel, and the writing is just stupendous. So again, it's The Parking Lot Attendant by Nefkote Tamarat. Whew, I'm going to have to pick that one up at some point. Love it. All right, my next one, Florida, new collection of short stories by... Lauren Groff. Um, these are all set in the physical places in and around Florida, which is like its own whole world. The um, the plants are different. The animal life is different. The culture of living in Florida is different. And in Lauren Groff's rendering, there's something kind of sinister and looming about a lot of it. The weather is scary. Uh, the women in this book are angry for 
all the right reasons. Um, they're wrestling with major questions in their lives about womanhood and marriage and motherhood and what it is just to be a woman in the world today. And the situations that Lauren Groff puts those characters in to get at not just the questions, but why we even have these specific questions um, is really remarkable. There's just so much happens on the page in these short stories that are like these very sharp moments of clarity between characters or moments of clarity that characters have about their lives that are universal to the human condition. It's a really remarkable piece of writing um, or several pieces of writing that hang together to do something that I think is very memorable. So that's Florida by Lauren Groff. And my next pick is All the Names They Used for God by Anjali Sachdeva, which we both have an Anjali on our list this, yes, we do. this year. Awesome. <laughs> These are short stories. It might be my favorite book of the year. Don't, don't tell the other books. They'll be jealous. It's super science-y, dystopian, brilliant stories. Uh, there's a lady who likes to live underground. She prefers it to being in her house. There's one about an explosion at one of Andrew Carnegie's factories. There's genetically mod... Uh, Genetically modified septuplets. There's a lot to say there, those words. Um, there's one with a man who falls in love with a mermaid who kind of follows around a shark. I think I mentioned when I talked about this the first time, that one gave me such a panic attack. Like, the shark was so real to me. I just loved feeling like, ah, that, that <laughs> pressure and stress while I was reading it, which sounds strange, but it's enjoyable. Um, it's just, they're so smart, and I love them so much. It's All the Names They Used for God by Anjali Sachdeva. All right. My next one is Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower by Brittany Cooper. Um, I just saw a headline this morning that was something like all the best books this year have angry women at the center of them. And I think that's true for uh, nonfiction and fiction alike. Um, Brittany Cooper is a feminist scholar and she's writing here about the discovery that like, yes, black women are mad and they have every reason to be. She's unpacking the stereotype about the angry black woman and looking at sort of the functions that actually allowing yourself to be an angry black woman can serve for feminism, for making the world better for all women. Um, this is a, a super intersectional, really approachable um, work of feminist critical theory, I think. Um, she is an academic, but doesn't usually write like one. I think it's helpful if you have some familiarity with feminist thought, with some of the terminology that feminist writers use. It's not written just for specifically for like newcomers to feminism, but if you're like a newcomer and you're willing to Google some terminology, you'll be just fine. Um, and she's grounding these in, you know, modern day examples. We just saw last week, Serena Williams, um, how she was treated in the news for express like daring to be a black woman who expresses anger. And Brittany Cooper is setting out to reframe it as anger is the superpower, um, that feminism, friendship, and, uh, what women can do together really turn on. Uh, so I thought it was really wonderful. Eloquent rage, Brittany Cooper. My next pick is Educated, a memoir by Tara Westover. Uh, Westover was born to survivalists in Idaho. They live out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, she had no schooling for the first 17 years of her life. Uh, her parents did not believe in medicine. Her father was very strict. Her mother uh, worked at helping the other women who were pregnant deliver babies, but kind of stayed out of like what her father had to say about things. Uh, and so like if you got hurt, you were left in the woods to just deal with it. Um, so she did not leave this commune for the until she was 17. That was the first time she ever left. One of her brothers, she had uh, several older siblings, uh, came home and said, you know, I've gone out in the world and it's rad. 
And she wanted to do that too. So she ends up leaving uh, the woods and she gets an amazing education. She's brilliant. Even without being schooled, it's obvious that she's so, so intelligent. And it's, you know, it's kind of wildly infuriating and unbelievable, the stories about her parents and, and what happened to her. But also, this book is so fascinating and insightful, and she's a wonderful writer. So, it's, again, it's called Educated, a Memoir by Tara Westover. Man, that one was, was super memorable. Oh, so good. That brings us to our next sponsor, The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. It is the most inventive debut of 2018, a clever, mind-bending murder mystery that will leave readers guessing until the very last page. At a gala party thrown by her parents, Evelyn Hardcastle will be killed. Again. She's been murdered hundreds of times, and each day, Aiden Bishop is too late to save her. Doomed to repeat the same day over and over, Aiden's only escape is to solve Evelyn Hardcastle's murder. However, nothing and no one are quite what they seem. Best-selling author Sarah Pinborough says, If Agatha Christie and Terry Pratchett had ever had LSD-fueled sex, then the seven and a half deaths of <laughs> Evelyn Hardcastle would be their acid trip book baby. Yeah, this genre... That's a hell of a blur. Yeah. This genre-bending debut has been described as Agatha Christie meets Groundhog Day with a dash of Quantum Leap and is the number one Library Reads pick as well as an Indie Next pick for September 2018. So again, that is the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton, and we thank them for sponsoring. It reminds me of my right, favorite... Let's keep... Oh, I was just going to say, my favorite X-Files episode, which is called Monday, in which they have to do the same day over and over again. Oh, yeah. If you like the X-Files, watch that episode. Right. Is it my turn let's still? Let's keep this train moving. No, it's my <laughs> okay. turn. I was like, um... I mean, you get a... <laughs> you, get a... you get to breathe for a minute. Maybe I thought it was my turn because I wanted to pick this book, too. Yeah, if we were ever going to have a fight this year about a book, it's probably this one. Uh, so my next pick with the Liberty co-stamp of approval is The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. This is a big, beautiful novel with so much heart about a group of men uh, in Chicago in the 1980s in the like deep throes of the AIDS crisis that hit Chicago uh, at that time. It's an ensemble novel if you like that setup. If you liked A Little Life, but you wanted it to be less difficult to read, but still with a ton of heart and thoughtfulness, The Great Believers is a great place to go. Um, you get this very well-rounded look at the men who make up this group of friends, the ways that their lives are connected to each other, the hurts that they cause, the ways they show up to support each other. And ultimately what it was like to be alive in that time, There's, there must have been so much research that went into being able to write this book in such a thoughtful, believable, grounded way with so much soul and feeling. It just hit me right in the heart. I think I'm going to be thinking about this one for a very long time. Uh, so that's The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. My next pick is The Witch Way Tree by Elizabeth Crook. This is a post-Civil War Western about a very poor family living in the Texas frontier. Ben is a teenager. He narrates the novel. Um, and one day when they are at home, a panther attacks the family when they are outside. Their mother is killed. Their sister is injured. Uh, things go even worse for them after that. Eventually, their father, who cannot handle his grief, disappears. And Ben and his sister, who, Samantha, who is 10, are left to take care of themselves and things aren't good. It's not good for children to be left alone, especially in this atmosphere. So Samantha gets it in her head that she's going to go find the panther that 
scratched her face up and killed their mother. And she's going to do it whether Ben comes along or not. So he decides that he will accompany her and try and save her from herself and the panther. It's fantastic. Fantastic. If you like True Grit, it's very True Grit. It's very dark, but also comedic. I just was so surprised by how much I loved this novel. It's The Witch Way Tree by Elizabeth Crook. All right. My next one is my favorite romance of the year so far, The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. This came out back in January. She has a new book, The Proposal, coming out pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have not read The Wedding Date, you need to. It's a great setup. A woman gets stuck in an elevator with a guy who is about to be the best man in his best friend's wedding. And just to make things more interesting, the best friend is marrying this guy's ex-girlfriend. He came to the date weekend, or he came to the wedding weekend without a date. Uh, He asks her to be his date for the weekend. They fall in love eventually. Um, It's really just, it's so charming. I'm so glad that Jasmine Guillory is in my life now. Um, The characters are smart. They're competent. The conflict between them is like valid and real and believable. It's there's nothing contrived about it other than getting stuck in an elevator, but come on. Um, The, the whole relationship uh, is very believable. The romance is steamy, but not explicit. If that is a thing that you care about, there's a note there. Um, so steamy, but not explicit. It's just so much fun. Um, I'm really, really glad to get to read her books. And I had the most fun that I've had this year reading, reading The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. Her new one is The Proposal. It comes out on October 30th. Yes. Did you read it? I did. I've read it already. Yeah, it's so fun. It's great. Yes. It's very, it's, great. it's very yeah. timely. I liked it. My last pick for today is Front Desk by Kelly Yang. It's a middle grade novel. It's so smart and I loved, loved her writing and her voice. Uh, It's about a girl named Mia. She's 10. Her parents and she have immigrated from China. They've been living in California and her father gets a job uh, running a motel. And so the whole family basically gets a job working at this motel. Uh, It turns out immediately that the job is not as great as they were led to believe they are expected to work all the time. Uh, So while her parents work cleaning the rooms, Mia works the front desk, even though she is only 10. Um, She really wants to be a writer, though, so she talks, she talks, she writes uh, in her journal about her experiences of what's going on. She makes friends with a lot of the residents who live in the hotel or in the motel. There are several rooms that are rented, you know, by the week. Um, Her parents also hide immigrants who have come to the country Uh, that need like a place to stay for a little while they're sort of down on their luck or they're passing through and they hide this from the really mean motel owner who abuses her parents terribly you can tell um it's about racism and extortion you know this guy using his abuse of power she goes to school with the son of the landlord and he is very mean to Mia while she's at school and it's actually based on Kelly Yang's own experiences her parents ran a motel when she was a little kid Um, But it's really charming. Mia is a really awesome character, as are the uh, other characters in the book. So again, it's called Front Desk, and it's by Kelly Yang. All right, I'm bringing us home. Okay. Last pick. From the Corner of the Oval, a memoir by Beck Dory Stein. It was not going to be a Rebecca Shinsky Best Books of the Year so far list without an Obama staffer memoir. And I have enjoyed them all, but this was the most fun. Beck Dory Stein, not being a super political person, takes a job as a White House stenographer. That means she ends up up close in Obama's speeches and important meetings and all kinds of appearances. And she gets a front row seat, literally, to the action of the Obama White House. Uh, it's 
like a little more gossipy than some of the other Obama staffer memoirs have been. There's more memoir about her personal life. She has this ill-advised on-again, off-again affair with another staffer when they're traveling for work, and you get all of that too. So there's just a ton of different angles here, and I thought the perspective of someone who was essentially a political outsider getting a job that brings her right into the heart of things makes for really interesting observations and perspectives. So that's From the Corner of the Oval by Beck Dory Stein. And we did it. <laughs> we did it. That's our three quarters show. Yes. Best best favorites. We'll go with favorites yeah. of the year so far. Um, Liberty, do you even know what you're going to go read next? Uh, I think I'm going to read A Dash of Dragon by Heidi Lang and Katie Bartowski, uh, which I saw on the Insiders channel talking about oh. a, a girl who cooks with magical ingredients. Um, so I picked it up because it looked really cute. What are you going to read next? I got a galley of the new Pam Houston book, Ooh. Deep Creek. The subtitle is Finding Hope in the High Country. I, you know, am expecting thoughtful Pam Houston ideas about nature and the world and the current political situation, and I cannot wait. My heart needs it. It comes out in January. I'm going to read it, like, now. Yeah. It'll be January. So that's our show. So fast, anyway. It will be. It's true. All right. Now you need to hit the road That's our show. and get away from I'm gonna this storm. <laughs> no kidding. I'm going to be on my bicycle like the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> um, thank you to our sponsors, Google Play, audiobooks. Go to g.co slash play slash all the books for $10 off your first audiobook that's listed at $10 or more. To The Real Lolita by Sarah Weinman and The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. If you have something to say to us, you can do that at all the books at Book riot.com or talk to us on twitter i'm rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y liberty is miss liberty and if you like the show you can rate or review it on apple podcasts and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the meantime and in the meantime happy, happy reading, reading.